It's Friday night, which means it's time for another episode of the Friday Night Nicktoons podcast. I'm Ashley. And I'm Casey. Last week we did a special episode on the Angry Beavers. We looked at three hilarious episodes from this show. We love getting to dive into Angry Beavers because, if we're being honest, we haven't watched it nearly enough, um, just in life in general, but also as, you know, people who claim to be really into Nicktoons enough to make a podcast about it. So uh, it was great to uh, finally fill that gap. Absolutely. We also put out our weekly Twitter poll asking whether or not you like baklava. 57% of you guys hadn't had it, while 32% of you said that you liked it, and 11% of you said no. So that means of the people who have tried it, what, like three-fourths, right, yeah. have liked it, so... Yeah, that's true. I mean, I I've had it before, and I also like it. I mean, that uh, that eleven percent though, fate himself is disappointed in you. Yeah, that is surprising. I will confess, I myself have never had it. I think I even came up with this Twitter question, or maybe you did. I think so, I did, but yeah, that's right, you did. Yeah, because uh, I've not had it, so fate would be mildly disappointed in me. I think I think he's more disappointed if you've tried it and specifically don't like it, though. Exactly. You know, like like Norbert. Yes. <laughs> all right well this week we're looking at three paranoid but totally correct nicktoon characters we're looking at crocker from fairly odd parents dib from invader zim and simon the monster hunter from ah real monsters these characters are bizarrely similar as we'll get into so it seemed like we had to uh create an episode around the three of them yeah i'm really looking forward to this one we've been talking about it for a while thanks so much for tuning in now let's get started Our first episode is from Fairly Odd Parents. It's called The Secret Origin of Denzel Crocker. It's from season three, episode 21, and it aired on October 4th, 2002, not March 15th, which I actually thought it would have been. And in this one, in the show, it is March 15th, which they find out is just the worst day ever for Crocker. And Timmy is determined to figure out what the big issue with that is. So he goes back in time to sort of find the root cause of of. Denzel Crocker's hatred for March 15th. And, you know, things things get pretty interesting, actually. Yeah, he, this sort of concept is he's going back decade by decade, exactly 10 years. So he's in 1992, 1982, and the 1972. And that's the 70s, which when we get there, we'll get there. But it really has more of a 60, like late 60s vibe than, than what the rest of the 70s would become, which I thought was kind of cool. Yeah, for sure. Um, I just liked the idea of him sort of going back decade, decade by decade. I think it's a fun, fun sort of way of us going through Crocker's life without just having like a ongoing flashback, you know, like it's, it's a creative way of dealing with it. Totally. And, uh, j- still speaking generally and conceptually, I think Ashley and I both agreed that, the this episode only works because of how shockingly specific Crocker's past life is to Timmy's current life. If it were like hinting at it or subtle, I don't think it would work at all. But he has a babysitter named Vic as a kid. We find out, you know, spoiler alert, that Crocker had fairy godparents when he was a kid, and they were Cosmo and Wanda. So I think that's the only way this this works is if they just really commit 
and have it be completely melodramatic and ridiculous, including, you know, Mrs. Turner dating Mr. Dinkelberg <laughs> for a bit, and that somehow goes back to their childhood, like... <laughs> yeah. It's very bizarre. It's, and honestly, Dinkelberg is kind of a jerk, we find out. You know? Yeah, and I don't love that. That's, like, the one thing that bothered me the most about this episode. I like when they're harmless, and it's the Turners who have this weird obsession with them. Yeah, know? I mean, you could you could think that, you know, maybe he was just a jerk in his younger days, and he kind of outgrew it and became a nice, friendly person, and I guess Timmy's dad just cannot let it go. Right. Although he does say, I sure hope they don't have a son when they move in and meet the Turner. That's I weird. guess they don't meet, that's the thing, they don't meet the Turners. To be fair, they say hello, neighbors, but it's like they've forgotten they exist. Yeah, it's a little strange. Basically, to backtrack, you know, I'm assuming most of you have seen this episode. It's definitely one of those iconic Fairly Odd Parents episodes, but working backwards, like in chronological order, when, uh, when we're in the 70s, we see that the Dinkelberg, well, we never see Mrs. Dinkelberg, do we? Um, but we see Mr. Dinkelberg. Well, not in the past, um, no. We, we see her moving into the house. Right, so we see her in the 90s. But in the 70s, we established the rivalry between Mr. Turner and Dinkelberg. In the 80s, Mr. Dinkelberg and Timmy's mom are dating. Then he breaks up with her because he gets rich all of a sudden. And, uh, uh, because of Crocker's failure. And then we get to the 90s and they're like, oh, hello, neighbors, you know? I guess in the order they reveal it, that's how it has to happen, but... Yeah, it's a little... It didn't doesn't quite add up. I'm, I, you know... It's a little strange. It's just, you kind of let it go for the sake of the joke of the idea of oh, for Mrs. Sure. Turner being with Dingleberg. It's still funny, the idea that like she would be... And to be fair, when the Dinkelbergs do move in, Mr. Turner does say, Dinkelberg already, so it's clear that they have already met. It's not like a plot hole. It's just, why would they move in next door? I mean, other than the fact that throwing a for sale house into a house next door immediately puts it on sale and at a great price. <laughs> right. And isn't Timmy, Timmy's mom in real estate too? Yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's why when a real estate agent puts a sign down in front of a house, you have to move. It's the law. Yep. It sucks, but sometimes it's just how it goes down. <laughs> Uh, so how much plot do we want to get into um, here? I feel like not too much. Um, Again, I, especially with this one, I think most of you have probably seen this, right? Um, there's a couple of a couple of great lines in here, right? There's there's moments like when he goes back to the 80s, I guess it is, and Crocker sort of has this presentation that he gives to all these people about fairies, and they all laugh at him, and he's like, this is the second worst day of my life. Like, <laughs> of course, of course, that's how you'd word it, right? You already had the worst day. Yeah. You'd never be melodramatic and just call it the worst. You'd, you'd shout to the world, this is the second worst day of my life, just for yeah. Timmy to know he has to go back further. <laughs> that's kind of what I think is so funny about all the flashbacks, is they're so centered around Timmy in a yes. way that could not have actually happened, but it's the Fairly Odd Parents universe. Everything's crazy, everything is convenient, and I love it. It's just a part of the yeah. show. It's part of its DNA. And, and there's constantly lines like that, right? There's things like... Um... Cosmo's sitting around getting excited for this Denzel Crocker day, which happens because actually I'm going to backtrack here because there's a great, great throwback joke in here. So it's one of the first yeah. episodes where, um, Timmy's dad is like, my name is, and then a car like runs by and it's like, mm, 
but you can call mm-hmm. me dad. And uh, they, they call back to it in this one, too. Like, um, Timmy shouts to his dad. He's about to get run over by a truck. He's like, dad. And then he's like, no, that's not my name. It's... And then, like, the truck starts honking its horn. And it, I, I just thought it was a clever play. It is funny. And I like that that takes the onus off Timmy to say the name. Yeah. You know? Like, the, as far as we know, Timmy doesn't even know his parents' name. <laughs> Well, I mean, he apparently says, you can just call me dad. So apparently it's not weird for him to just be called that. It's, again, it's... Like, <laughs> and that's what I love about it. It's all so, like I said, Timmy-centric. It's bizarre, and I and love it, it. it. It just works. It's it's the way the show functions, and it's great. You, you know, and then... Yeah. Um, there's things like Cosmo's, like, these are the days we'll remember 30 years from now. Which <laughs> yeah. we already know he doesn't. Uh, it's just... It would be a fun concept to look at. Maybe... I'll bet we could find three other episodes for a time travel Oh, that's, that's a good episode. call. There's gotta There's be some There's definitely others, a Jimmy you know? Neutron I mean, one. we've sort of covered the Spongebob one. Um, but um, for sure Jimmy Neutron has... He at least has a time machine. I know he brings people forward from time. I don't remember for sure oh, yeah. that they go... because he takes... No, because they're, they're with dinosaurs uh, or something. Thomas Edison. Whatever. I, yeah. I'm sure there's a third. <laughs> Yeah, there's got, there's always a third. We found that whenever we're like, okay, we have two episodes with a theme, and then we just do some digging, and there's always a third Absolutely. one. Absolutely. So. <laughs> like the video game episode happened like that. Yeah, and you know, it all works. Moving forward about this one though, um, yeah. Overall, I just I think it's a great sort of origin. I think I think it sort of makes you feel for Crocker. You already kind of do before because you know he's right and everyone thinks he's crazy. So so you do kind of like you know, you you feel for him, but this is the first time that we really kind of realize, you know, he has a pretty unfortunate turn of events happen here. Yeah. And it's like every it's like a, that kid kids media trope where like it was in every goosebumps novel or book, whatever you call it, that the, the kid knows something, but the adults don't believe them. And that's kind of what it is for all of these characters. Except, interestingly enough, with Crocker, Dib, and Simon, they're all the uh, villain of the show from the protagonist sort of point of view. And So, uh, yeah. Yeah, it, it is... It's weird, because we do... We want them to fail, right? Like, we don't root for Crocker. We don't no. want him to find out like prove that fairies exist but he has such a relatable like not relatable but you know like understandable basis here that you'd think that you'd root for him more but you totally don't same same with of course all of them you want them all to lose despite the fact that if you were them you'd be infuriated and would probably go just as crazy as they do right well i i do want to track one more thing before we get into i would like to talk about each character's like general paranoia and like conspiracy part of the conspiracy characters of each of these episodes but first just tracking uh crocker's mom <laughs> through the decades oh is really funny she's this like good she's got this like stylish uh pant 70s pantsuit she's tall she's like i think wearing heels and just is like this confident working woman and then we see her in the present day, and she's shrunk, like, a <laughs> foot and a half at least. <laughs> and she still has the same face and glasses, but her hair is white and crazy. Uh, I think she's a fantastic character. Oh, she definitely is. She doesn't she doesn't come up quite enough for us to do an episode on her, I don't think. But she's, nah. she's a great side character. Uh, and mentioning fun side characters, I do want to mention, we get this brief deal where 
Principal Waxaplex is like in love with Crocker, and it's so weird. It's tragic, too, because we learned that, you know, Crocker had a chance with her. <laughs> and what would his life be now if he had learned to just put this fairy delusion behind? He could have, you know, uh, he would be married to the principal, maybe they'd have a little family, picket fence. Instead, he's living, you know, alone with his mother. And not that there's anything wrong with that, but I think the show sort of implies that Crocker made the wrong choice. I mean, he does have a swell, lifelong hobby, though. Yeah, as Cosmo puts it. <laughs> I loved that line. We do have some great Cosmo lines. We have a lot of lame Cosmo lines in this one, too. But I do love uh, when Cosmo and Wanda realize that they themselves were Crocker's fairy godparents. They're like, how could we have forgotten that? And Cosmo's like, I'm always top secret about the fact that I'm a fairy. And they look up. They look above. They're, they're spying outside of Crocker's house in the 70s. And Cosmo, with his 70s hair and, like, funky glasses, is saying, I can fly, too. Hello, bird. I'm a fairy. Whee! <laughs> Wanda has to, like, grab him. Yeah, I think this, this episode is one of those where Cosmo's stupidity is done right. We definitely see episodes where it's not. And I think this is one where it is. And it, it shows. And it's... I, I just, I thoroughly enjoyed this. I really did. Yeah, super fun. And ter- yeah, and so in terms of Crocker's, like, the, the, his grand conspiracy, like, what is Crocker's endgame in all of this? Is it the same as Simon from Our Real Monsters, where it's, like, the respect of his peers and world fame for capturing fairies? I guess we sort of see what he wants. and Well, we see literally what he wants in Abracatastrophe with the muffin. Yeah, I guess... Pretty much, yeah. He wants... I think I think part of it is that he's bitter against the world, right? Like, for them all thinking he's crazy for so long and being so terrible that he's like, screw all of you, I'm right. I know I'm right. And, like, after enough years, you know, that wears you down after being laughed out by everything. So, it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Um, other great one-off line, when Crocker first arrives and Timmy reminds all of his classmates that it's March 15th, they, they were all like swinging and playing happily and then they realize everything stops. Basically everyone scatters into their own, like, uh, Sanjay, is that his mm-hmm. name? Um, he climbs a tree and like all this crazy stuff happens and AJ goes, quick, everyone take cover in the safe bosom of the United States education <laughs> system. <laughs> yeah, I, it, this show, and we've said it before too, I think its replay value really does come from those sort of one-off lines that they just kind of let be there that aren't like the big jokes, but they're often funnier than the quote-unquote big jokes, and I, I think that's, it does it so well. Yeah. And and hu- I, I'm about ready to move on, but also humor me for a sure, second. Sure. I've realized in a lot of these Fairly Odd Parents episodes, Chester and AJ are used as framing devices and then ignored for the rest of the episode. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> it's like, Timmy's at school. He's a normal kid. Here are his two friends. And now we don't need him because now we're into the fairy Yeah, game, there's, you know? there's an occasional one where they become relevant. You know, like the video game episode, yeah. they're around. Uh, but... And they're great. They're amazing characters. Or the Chester Mc, McBad sure, sure. stuff, the baseball but, yeah, stuff. Often, That's all great. But... It, well, it, it goes back to that, them and their, were we doing something Timmy related? Right? Because that's the only time they're <laughs> <Yeah>. relevant. <laughs> yeah, the self-aware writing of this show is really one of my favorite things about it. Yeah. Um, I think, I think I've said everything, but feel free to throw anything else out no, there. No, I think, 
I think I'm good. Yeah, that, it's uh, we we didn't spend too much time talking about what a groundbreaking revelation it is that Crocker had fairies. And that like it that is was a huge deal. Cosmo and Wanda specifically too, of course. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's and it totally does make sense. You know if. Maybe his memory doesn't get wiped properly. And he also, when his memory does get wiped by Jorgen, when he gets his fairies taken away, which is a whole thing that isn't really worth getting into, he uh, he immediately ages. He's still the same height, but his teeth become wooden and gross. His hair gets really thin and terrible, and his glasses even change, I think. And he becomes, you know, the crocker we yeah, all know. the jaded man that we can't really blame him for being. <laughs> at, at age 10, <laughs> yeah. But... Yeah. You know, and it's a shame, too, because he has such intellect that you'd think that he would... Whatever. You know, so it goes, so it goes. Um, I yeah, think... But we've, ta- we've talked about Crocker a lot in other episodes, this is true. too. I think it's about time to move on to Invader Zim. Sounds good. Our second episode is from Invader Zim. It's entitled Battle Dib, and it's from Season 1, Episode 6B, originally aired May 4th, 2001. And in this one, it's one of the few episodes of the show that does not include Zim at all, but there sure is a lot of talking about Zim, as there always is with Dib, our, I suppose, protagonist of this episode. So in this one, Zib, Dib, (laughs) Zib, is that their ship name? Terrible. Um... I chip it. <laughs> Dib uh, finally is gets him a chance to present his findings on Zim in uh, the Swollen Eyeball Society, which I guess is a bunch of other wingnuts who th- also think that aliens are taking over the world. And which, uh, like the kind they are right about. Well, kind of. Yeah, exa- Yeah, it's a, it's it's a little bit of both in in Invader Zim's case. Um, so Dib needs a signature to attend the meeting from his dad because he's a minor. So he has to go to his dad, Professor or Doctor Membrane, and uh, but his dad is like doing not a show. I guess a show, right? Yeah, he, like a seminar or something. Yeah, sorts, like a seminar. Like. And so he has to get in to be the audience because like, he's clearly very distant from his dad. This is a long-winded summary, but there's a lot to unpack. It's a weird episode. Yeah, well, we'll kind of get into it within the summary, I think is fine. Yeah, yeah. So, like, yeah, basically that's it. He has to get a signature from his dad um, to go and attend this conference. And he does ultimately attend the conference, but after all of the hubbub of getting the signature, he forgets his presentation, which, not to dive into opinions too quickly, but I thought was completely ridiculous and not good for an episode ending. I see what they were doing. They're going for the anti-ending sort of. After all that, he still can't do it, but I thought it was kind of lame and lazy. Yeah, I mean, like you said, I kind of get what they were going for. It's it's not terrible, but yeah, you know. Angry Beavers did it better, like most things. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, there's a couple of moments that I thought were kind of funny. I, I don't know, like um, Dib steals a slice of pizza from Gaz, and she, like, just about loses her mind and is like, I hope that you get eaten by demons or some some madness. And I was like, you know, that's that's about how I feel when people steal my pizza. <laughs> yeah, I like I right. like Gaz. We haven't seen her much, if at all, yet. Yeah, anytime she, anytime she showed up, like, a couple of times, like, mm-hmm. briefly, and I feel like she's kind of like the, not exactly, I, I don't know what to call her, 
like character wise but she she's just i don't know she's got these sort of like deadpan lines that are just done really well yes. and I, i'd like to get into her more too she's fun yeah no i do too she can get a little you know too random for me sure, random sure. trademark you know but i feel that but i i do like her in this episode um so basically, yeah, he has to take all these tests to get into the audience to the symposium or whatever to see his dad to get a signature. And first, it's a written test that, you know, Gaz is able to feed him all of the answers. But Gaz is essentially sabotaging him this whole way. So she gets him to round two of this test, which is like a boxing fight. <laughs> and first, they tie. And then, in the second match... Um, Gaz basically lies. His name's like Squanch or Squanch or something. The, Shunk. This, what is it? I just looked it up. Shunk. Shunk. That's what it is. And Dib has to fight him, apparently, to get into this symposium because it's Invader Zim and anything goes. And, uh, Gaz basically fires Shunk up. She's like, he said all this stuff about you, blah, blah, blah. And then there's this long extended fight sequence that took me out of it because they always do and blah, blah, blah. Ashley and I hate fight sequences. End of story. But, <laughs> but he then gets like kicked out and escorted out by security because he gets pummeled. And <laughs> this, I did my, my, the moment I laughed the hardest is... So Dib is, you know, being escorted out of the facility, and he's still got his permission slip, and he goes, maybe I can, like, find a way to sneak into my dad, sneak this note to my dad, and he goes, excuse me, do you have a pen? And the security guard just goes, here you go! <laughs> While he's, like, handcuffing him out. Yeah, it's... You know, I... I don't know, I, I still don't love, love this show, but it, it does have some aspects that I like. I do like... That it kind of, like you said, it has this anything goes sort of feel to it. And sort of in the same vein of how, like, Fairly Odd Parents, you just roll with it. The show does the same thing, right? Like, it's not trying to explain everything to you. You just deal with the weirdness. And you just, you're like, sure, it's Zim. This is how this works. Sure, the security guard would happily give him a pen. Sure, sure. You know, like, it's it's weird logic, but I feel like it, it does work sometimes. Totally, totally. And just still not this, angry beavers level, but you know. But there is a kind of a darker moment where his dad, Doctor Professor Membrane, whatever, doesn't rem doesn't recognize Dib. He's like, and he's wearing a helmet still from the battle, <laughs> but um, it's just kind of sad. And then when security kicks him out, they say, "Next time we'll call your parents." <laughs> it's kind of a nice layer of irony. Yeah, it's. And again, it you do feel bad for Dib again because he is right about this. But at the same time, you do know deep down inside, Zim's not a threat, right? <laughs> Which you know, so so he's got sort of like this tragic, his dad doesn't care about him thing going on, and I don't know. I feel differently bad for him than I do for Crocker. Right, because at least Crocker is a hundred percent correct. With Dib, it's like, it appears, like, the way he's reading the situation is how Zim wants it to be, you know? Zim yes. wants to be this fearsome alien who's taking over Earth, but at the end of the day, he's sent to Earth as a joke, as essentially a joke to get, f so that the Almighty Tallest can get rid of him for a little bit and send him on a wild goose chase. Yeah, they don't even think he's gonna find a planet, right? So Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, sure, whatever, Earth. I, yeah. I do like that concept, too, the idea that Earth is just sort of this, like, 
irrelevant mess. I think it's no, fun. It's great, because um, we didn't watch the pilot first, and when I saw the first few episodes we did on this show, I thought, like, okay, whatever, it's your classic alien taking over Earth arc, arc you know, but then when we watched the pilot, it's like, oh, okay, that's actually pretty original, that yeah, they're just sending him is. on, like, an, a vacation, like, on a pointless <laughs> trip, because Earth isn't relevant to them. They didn't even know it existed. So I do really yeah. appreciate that part of the show. Um, but yeah, didn't love the ending here. You know, because Dib does, that's the thing. They say, uh, you know, Dr. Membrane signs the permission slip for him. And then the security guard goes, oh, he signed this for you. And throws it out, like, the stage door, essentially. And Dib has the, you know, but for however he got it, you know, even though his dad didn't think it was a permission slip, he thought it was just a, an autograph. Um, he can go to the swollen eyeball meeting, but then he gets there and he just forgets his entire presentation and all of his data on Zim. And that's the last yeah. we see of it. And I, it just felt like, what was even the point of the whole episode? We didn't learn you know, a ton. I, I, I've noticed this a couple of times too with Zim episodes that they do kind of just end like that. And that's just kind of how they play it. And it doesn't work for me, but you know, they're trying it, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> um, it's not terrible. It's not as bad as, and we didn't really talk about it, the very, very end of the Fairly Odd Parents endings. Like, they try to do these, like, funny jokes at the end a lot of times that fall flat. It's not exactly that it falls flat. It's just that it feels, I don't know, unfinished somehow. Yeah, and not in a way that, like, Adventure Time does it. It's, um... That, or Angry Beavers, too, it, where it ends satisfactorially, but, like, so is that a word? <laughs> Satisfactory? Sure. Uh, whatever. Whatever the adverb of that is. <laughs> um, but this, it just ends, and it's like, well, okay, we learned a bit about Dib's relationship with his dad, but that's really a... And we learned a little bit more about the swollen eyeball people, but that's about it. So I'm kind of, like, left yeah. thinking, what was the point? Yeah, I feel you on that. Um, I don't think I have anything else to add. No, me neither. Alright, then I guess coming up we'll have Ah Real Monsters. Our third and final episode for today is from Ah Real Monsters. It's called Simon's Big Score. It's from Season 3, Episode 1B, and it aired on September 7th, 1996. And in this one, Simon plants a bug on Crumb in an attempt to discover the monster's hideout. Yeah, you know, this is probably my favorite of the Ah Real Monsters episodes that we've watched so far. Not that we've watched a ton of them. Yeah, I'll give it that. I, I just don't love the show. I I don't know. It just doesn't work for me. I mean, like, I say that about Zim, too, but, like, Zim definitely does more for me. Like, I get it more. Ah Real Monsters, I feel like... I don't know. And and then this episode is better, I think, than the last ones we've seen. But a lot of times I'm just kind of, like, watching it and I'm kind of, like, I don't really care what happens to these monsters. I don't, like, care about anything that's going on here. Um, I don't know. Right. It's probably my least favorite Klasky Supo show. Maybe All Grown Up would take the game. That's cake. fair. That's fair. But... But I, I do... That being said, I do like the animation style. There's something comforting and a little creepy in all of the shows about the... Classy Supo animation style. I felt it even in Rugrats. You know, there's something a little uncanny valley about it, and I like it. It's it's different. It's unique. It's a, and for a show about monsters, it's perfect. Um, yeah, I, I agree. I think 
I know that some people have different thoughts about the animation style. I think it works. I think it works for this show. I think I, I actually do like their characters' designs, like just physically how they look. I think it's fun. I, I don't know. Just it's never. It just doesn't grab me the way that the other other Nicktoons do. So, you know what I'm just thinking now too, and this is totally unrelated. We haven't talked about Ren and Stimpy in ages. Yeah, we really haven't. So maybe that's. Oh, well, I have the list pulled up. I was gonna say but, we we have some to do, a couple of episodes for next, but we sh- we should definitely touch on that again soon. Yeah, we've only done it twice, time. and we haven't done it since episode sixteen, yeah. almost a year ago. So we should we should do that. I don't know why that just I just thought of it, but. Anyways, back to our real monsters. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I think my favorite part of this show, um, or my favorite character, is uh, the Gromble. Mine too. Yeah, I know I said ironically way back when, when we were doing our favorite secondary characters, I was like, the Gromble's my favorite. It was one of those stupid jokes. But now that I think about it, I think the Gromble's pretty fantastic. I agree. He just has this sort of over-the-top personality and just his role, I think, in their lives in the show was really great. Yeah, and I like his voice. It's very whimsical. Yeah, it is. All of it, the, the voice acting in the show is great, in my opinion. I'll give opinion. it that. 100% agree. Uh, voice acting is always, always up to par. They they fit their characters so well. and like They, they look like how they would sound. I yeah. think that's done... And there's really so much well. variety. Like, Crumb has this sort of low, like, vibrating voice, and Oblina is, like, kind of seductive, you know? Yeah. I, I like their little their little bunch, but they're, you don't really root for them, because they don't That's really seem to like, care about each other. It's just strange. You, you just don't, you know. <laughs> and a lot of people love this show. I didn't yeah, really realize until we did FNN, but Our Real Monsters, I mean, it didn't do well in Nick Madness, but people who grew up in the early 90s love this show. And it just never, has, it just never really does anything, right? Um, but yeah, m- moral of the story um, is that Simon keeps, keeps knowing where they're gonna be and he keeps showing up and they're like what's going on mm-hmm. why is this happening it's really annoying we can't properly you know my favorite of my favorite stuff. of those moments where he follows them is the drive through one where ablina is disguising herself to scare humans as the like monitor when you do a drive through order and this <laughs> this woman is just so entitled and ridiculous in the drive through she's like i can never understand these people she leans out the car and yells into the monitor speak clearly and oblina turns into her monster self and says something like is that better and she loses her mind you know it's a great scare as far as scares go yeah that that would actually be pretty terrifying and also you kind of feel like this woman deserves it a little you know <laughs> Yeah, exactly. They set it up nicely. And then the next car in line is Simon. Uh, and Simon, I guess I, I know we did an episode on him earlier, but for some reason I saw him as more normal in that episode. And in this episode, he's just unhinged. He's like listening to this like tape recorder that's just like, you will find the monsters. You are the best monster hunter of all time. Like stuff like that, like just on repeat in yeah. his sleep. Order. It's bizarre. He's very similar to Crocker. Yes. Um, I don't know. We we don't really get his backstory exactly, other than that he wants, you know, this sort of recognition from 
people and whatever, but we, we don't really know why he's like how he is. But you deal with it. Yeah, but he does, he has this great, when he, you know, realizes, so, oh, first of all, when they come in through his, uh, through his kitchen sink to check on Simon, because de Gromble told them to, uh, Crum notices that there are bugs crawling all over his pizza, and Crum eats it, which apparently, we found out later, was bait for them, but he didn't need the bait, because they were already coming, but now he has proof, I guess, that they showed up, and... So yeah, he puts a tracking device in Crumb, but uh, or in the in the bugs, right? Is that what happens? I think that that, that sounds. That right. must be it, because the tracking device goes in his stomach. I just put that together now, so it did work. That's yeah, what it, the bait was. It, I was gonna say more more than baiting them to be there. It's baiting them into being able to follow them around and stuff because he knows all of their plans and right right but he's he basically once he realizes this he starts singing i'm gonna catch a monster and he's kind of like rotating and he's saying like gotcha 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 and it's kind of disturbing yeah very very and uh you know you'd think really if, if he were stealthier he should get them right he knows exactly where they're gonna be he's not the best of what he's doing, or, or at least get footage of them or something, right? Like, he knows that this is going to happen. He's... You, you just think he'd do better. Right. And then we have this Chekhov's gun moment, which I'm excited that we get to talk about on the show, because it's a literal gun. He's in this, like, creepy van, similar to Crocker, and this kid knocks on the door while he's scheming to catch the monsters, and he opens the door, the kid's holding a water gun. And the second you see it, it's a contract with the audience that he, someone is going to get sprayed or the gun wouldn't be there. And the first time he goes, I'd like an ice cream. And he goes, we're all out. He closes the door. Kid knocks again. I'll take a like Klondike bar or whatever. And he goes, we're out of those too. And then kid knocks again. And the third time he just sprays Simon. It has nothing to do with the plot, but I just loved it. Yeah. You know, I'll... I'll agree that there's there's definitely moments like that where the show is genuinely funny and genuinely well done. Things things like that make the show worth watching. And maybe maybe if I didn't I don't know, maybe if I grew up with it more, I would have liked it more. I'm not sure. But um I forget exactly how do they how do they figure out like I I know they figure out the the tracking devices there. And then I don't I don't really remember how exactly they get to this to this um this boxing match. Oh yeah, another sort of weird parallel between the episodes. There is not a boxing match in Fairly Odd Parents, but there is sort of in Zim. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. That's true. They 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 gotta go through these fights. Yeah, it's kind of great though. I love I love how brutal the monsters are when they you know figure out Crumb, and I love that Crumb uses his eyeball. It's so gross, you know, to go into his own stomach and see yeah. it. But they, uh, yeah, they they trap him and they sort of they act not very convincingly, but Simon is delusional enough to not think about it. You know, they're like. Well, I guess I'll head up these stairs now. And, but like, yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, he ends up in this boxing ring, and then they lock the door underneath him. It's awesome. Yeah, it's also, there's this, like, this giant, terrifying wrestler. And the announcer's like, oh, um, if you will be in this ring for five minutes, we'll give you $500. And then he raises it to 1000 for two minutes, and I'm like, $1,000? 
would not be worth the amount of pain that this wrestler can give you in two minutes. Which would be ridiculous amounts. He's huge. Huge. Just saying. Yep. No, it's... <laughs> yeah, it's ridiculous. And yeah, like you said, the hospital bills would end up being more <laughs> than yeah. the money you'd make. Absolutely. Easily. But he's not in there by choice. It is weird that anyone would be in there by choice. You know, I guess, does he still get $1,000? You just Oh, yeah. Right? That's true. Because they don't know that he's not just a volunteer, so at least he gets that. Yeah, I guess we can assume there's no reason to, which I looked up would be $1,572 in 2017 money based on the airing of this episode. Although we don't know when All Real Monsters is set. That's true, but still, that's it's a decent amount of money. You know, not not worth it, but right. I guess if you gotta get beat up anyways, you might as well get money out of it. And to me, All Real Monsters is the most 90s of the Nicktoons. Like, I look at it and I just think, that was Nickelodeon in the mid, like, solid mid-90s, like, just before we started watching, really. Right. So I sort of just think Close of it enough. in that era. Yeah. So... <laughs> Um, and then we I have think... this, the, the, the credits music is like a remix of Simon getting beaten up and it's pretty yes. great. It's kind of like grandpa in the song in Hey Arnold. I was going to say, it reminds me of some of the Hey Arnold jams they've got going yeah. on. It's done well. Uh, yeah. And the, you know, the more I'm thinking on it, this, this episode's solid. I'll give it to it. It's <laughs> still not my favorite show, but I, I think they do a good job. There's moments like that that are just really fun. Um, Simon definitely full crazy. Um, and I somehow, I want him to lose the most, I feel like. You know? Like, I just, I want, like, Crocker, I, I don't want him to get Timmy's fairies just because. But, like, somehow I just, I feel like Simon has this level of arrogance that I hate more. Whereas the other two feel kind of like they're, like, desperately pleading and, like, hoping that something will finally go their way. Oh, I yeah, know. I agree. I think Simon is the least likable of the three. Yeah, that's how I feel, too. And he has no real reason, at least not that we know of, and I could be wrong on this, but Crocker had fairies. Um, I guess, did... well, they're always scaring him. Sure, but... So that is one reason why he might be out to get them. I'll allow it, but still, <laughs> definitely the least likable, in my opinion. For sure. But yeah, all these characters are extremely paranoid. They're all at least a little bit correct to completely correct and uh, I think it was a really interesting look at all three of them. And, like, what other way could we pair these three shows together? You know, it's kind of right. a random assortment. And and they're all so weirdly similar. It's it's great. And it's so weird because these shows, concept-wise, are so so different. So different. But these characters keep recurring in, in the same ways and have these same patterns. And I think that's fun. Um, I think that's everything I've got. Me too. Well, Ashley, you know what it's time for. Indeed, we're going back to it. Season 3 of Nick Trivia. Alright, you guys, it is time for Season 3 of Nick Trivia. For anybody who is new listening in, we, um, we ask each other a trivia question, Nicktoon-related, usually related to the shows we just talked about, but not necessarily... Um, always multiple choice and we keep track of who gets them right and who gets them wrong. And, um, I've won season two, Casey won season one. So this is season three. This is the tiebreaker season, potentially the last one. We'll see how we're feeling about it. Um, I don't know when it'll end. Maybe just the end of the year. We'll figure it out. Yeah, it's, uh, 
Man, I'm still not quite fully recovered from season two, I'll be honest. That was such a brutal, you know, for those of you who weren't around then, it was Ashley basically had it locked in four weeks to the finish line. I then won three in a row and stumped Ashley three times in a row and then stumped Ashley a fourth time and then got my question wrong by going with my going against my gut. And it was it was a Greek tragedy in and of itself, I think. Yeah, and he it was like literally he so so we always say final answer to confirm it, right? And he was like Fine no no, I'm gonna go I'm gonna go ahead and change it and it was one of the happiest and one of the least happy moments of our That's, I thought you were going to say out the show, but you're also right. Yeah. <laughs> but here we are. We are actually pulling these questions from our, uh, me from Nick Seen It and Ashley from a Nick trivia game that we got each other from our prospective other season trivia wins. Yeah. So thank you, Casey, for the game. And thank you. I guess you're yeah. welcome for, for yours. And uh, go ahead, hit me with it. All right, and I'm really hoping, because we played this game together, you and I, so I'm hoping we didn't do this question. On Ah Real Monsters, which character comes from Chernobyl, the Russian site of the nuclear disaster? I think I'm pronouncing that right. Um, something like that. Was it Krum, the Gromble, Oblina, or Ickis? Oh, mine only has three answers, by the way. Okay. That's fine. And I can't really add another one. You'll understand when you hear it. Um, I'm going to go with Oblina for no reason at all. You're Final a answer. quick with that. Correct! Um, okay. Just it is feeling. correct. You're going to start off with one point. <laughs> nice. Well done. <laughs> we, we definitely did not do that one, but it just that just seemed like where she would be from. And I figured, why overthink it? Because I usually go wrong. Um, Fair enough. This one, this one's, um, I don't actually know where it comes from. And it's a little bit weird, <laughs> but I'm just gonna, I just, I read it and I was like, I can't not ask you this question. Um, on Hey Arnold, what is Stinky's weakness? Is it lemon pudding, banjo music, or a girl with a southern drawl? Weakness. Like, he loves it and it, like, gets to him? Or, like, his, like, kryptonite? You know, it's unclear. <laughs> Again, I don't actually know where this comes from. I can I hear lemon pudding um, in his voice. Is that what it is, the first one, lemon pudding? Lemon pudding. Uh, second is banjo music. Third is a girl with a southern It could drop. totally be any of the three of them. That's what I liked about it, was just how ridiculous it was. I was like, I was like, all of these are so I'll bet it's lemon right pudding, and it's like a one-off food joke, so A. Correct! All right, then I guess we're starting this off strong. Boom! <laughs> I, I've got to find out what episode that's from, or like when he mentions it, because I'm sure he does, but I just thought that was, I just thought it was great. Um... We'll, we'll go back to probably using our own questions. I might use these for guidance, but most of mine aren't multiple choice. It's so. revealed in the episode uh, yeah, but... Helga's Show. And mm. in Arnold Betrays Iggy, it is revealed... Oh, wait, here's the direct quote from the wiki page. <laughs> in Arnold Betrays Iggy, it's, no apostrophe, revealed, he tells his classmates every morning why lemon pudding is his favorite pudding. <laughs> 
<laughs> I love these wiki what? pages. I could spend hours they're on so them. They're so poorly written. And like, you get what they're saying, but sometimes they're so inarticulate, and it's awesome. Yeah, it works in its own horrid manner. So I guess he mentions um, it twice, well, I guess... to the to the card's credit. Yeah. I, I, either way, I figured one and three, I'm giving you better odds. So even if it's kind of like a worse question, you had better odds at it. So I figured it made it yeah, a little that more was, fair. that was very fair. All right, so we both start out one to one, and I don't know if that ever happened in season two. We got a no. lot wrong. <laughs> yeah, so we're, we're starting off strong. Let's keep it this way, except for with me doing slightly better. Sounds great. Well. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh... Up next, we've got our conclusion with our fun fact, Twitter poll, and preview for next week. Our fun fact for this week is Fairly Odd Parents themed, and it's more of a reference than a fun fact, but Jorgen references President McGovern during the time travel Fairly Odd Parents episode we just discussed. He says, he basically bans Timmy from tra- time traveling to March 1972. He goes, You can, however, time travel to any <laughs> of, uh, any of the other months in the year, but just don't do anything to interfere with President McGovern, which is fantastic. <laughs> McGovern, I don't even know his first name, uh, lost to Nixon in the 1972 election. He lost almost every state. It was a historical lands, a historic landslide to Nixon. So I, that's what I love about that joke is Timmy had to do something catastrophic <laughs> to to result to end up giving Nixon the landslide in our yeah. current timeline. <laughs> yeah, he did. He did something terrible we'll never know what and that's okay but i yeah. i like again these these sort of smarter humor jokes are the ones that i really appreciate the show for too because like as a kid and even now i didn't catch it casey had to mention it to me but like president mcgovern never would have meant anything to me no no of course all right our twitter poll for this week is related to the three characters we've been talking about so you have to rob a bank with one of these three characters uh who do you choose do you want Crocker, Dib, or Simon the Monster Hunter? And my guess would be that it's just who do you think is going to be the most successful, but it could also be a little bit of who can you tolerate. Yeah, that's so real. I hadn't really thought of it that way. And to be honest, I'd have a hard time picking any of the three of them because they're all somewhat incompetent and all somewhat inco- intolerable. Yeah, I, I think they all, too, they're good enough at scheming that, like, they wouldn't be the worst people to have alongside your along your side, but they're they're so good at losing too, so it's <laughs> hard to say. For sure. Alright, well next week we'll be doing a really fun special episode on Squilliam Fancy Son of SpongeBob. We had we thought we only had like three episodes to pick from, but turns out there have been a whole bunch of new ones too. So uh we will we'll we haven't picked our episodes yet, but if you have any strong opinions on which ones we should include, let us know before Tuesday. Yeah, we will absolutely be including the fine dining one. No Of course. No conversations on that. But other ones we can be convinced on. Alright, I'm looking forward to it. Uh thanks as always you guys for listening and we'll see you next week.